with the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales. My name is Siva Avaru, managing partner of Y Whales Solutions, and I'm joined by our fellow co host, Abe Michael, head of ecosystem for Y Whales. Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. We have a great episode for you guys today. We're going to dive into the world of gaming. Uh, we have an interesting company here, a B2B game company, te a technology company, uh, and we're joined by CEO of GameOn, Matt Bailey. Matt, great hey, to everyone. talk to you. It's good to be here. So how did you get into gaming, man? I got into gaming about five years ago, um, more so on the on the sports gaming side of things. So um, fantasy games, predictor games, trivia games. So we're not we're not building AAA games or even AA games. We're building games that are dependent on content. And first of all, I got into that content. So I've always been into sports. Uh, I grew up in Australia playing and loving rugby. Uh, went to to school for for sports business. Um, after that, worked in various sports business roles for broadcasters, for uh, the Brooklyn Nets and Barclays Center uh, here in the US, uh, also the Harlem Globetrotters and various different business business roles. So first and foremost, I got into a, a love of sports and I always found that if I was invested in some way, you know, it could be on the, all, on the sports betting side, which is now very much illegal across the US, but even just on the gaming side of predicting and playing fantasy, it just gets you so much more invested in the, in the games, you know, either be it, you know, with your friends and uh, drafting, you know, ahead of the NFL season, drafting a team or playing an office pool with, with your colleagues. It's always, um, you know, intrigued me and, and it's been a, been a love of mine. Um, so that's why we started Game On about five years ago and we've evolved um, since then. But that's kind of how I first got into it. Man, I feel like you're living my dream. I'm, I'm a huge fantasy sports guy, fantasy baseball. I'm, I'm religious in it, fantasy football. I think, you know, every U.S. male uh, that's a millennial at some point has done fantasy uh, football. It's 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 almost a religion at this so point. You know you're hardcore um, if you're playing fantasy baseball. So that's like, that's, that's, for, the, that's for the true <laughs> fantasy guys. <laughs> It's all analytics. That's all it is. It's all data, uh, and maybe maybe that's why I enjoy it. But um, so uh, so, how does that? And then that's an interesting way to approach this. You know, game on as a B two B gaming uh, technology company, and the intersection of fantasy sports, as you had mentioned. Um, I don't think a lot of people really realize a lot of the capabilities that are starting to evolve in the fantasy sports section. I think a majority of uh, the general public just views uh, fantasy sports as a browser-based, you know, pick a player and 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 choose mm -hmm. them on your team, and hopefully you win depending on the model uh, and uh, on the sports model that you're uh, uh, competing within. So where did you where did you find that opportunity, or how did you discover that opportunity that there is uh, a potential here to enhance or expand on the fantasy sporting experience, and how is Game On uh, achieving that? Yeah, so the opportunity we found is that um, the, there's a shift in how uh, Gen Z and millennials are consuming sports. Now, I think our generation is probably the last to sit down and watch a three-and-a-half-hour game of football, and I'll do it. I'll Actually, I'll watch multiple. On a Sunday, I'll sit there from you know 1 p.m. Till, till midnight, and my wife hates it. But millennials, millennials oh. don't do that. Like they, they, they literally watch bite-sized pieces of, of content. They want to experience it in different ways. They want to own the content, which Web3 now can allow us to do. They want to influence the content. They want personalized content uh, and, and they want to play the content. So we saw that opportunity to help leagues and IPs, broadcasters, teams around the world from a B2B technology standpoint and launch games for them, fantasy games, predictor games, other types of games that help them better engage that audience. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, that's that's really incredible. So 
Why don't you talk to us about the moment where you realize you really had something with your business model? Maybe it was your first client that you that you guys got in. Um, when did you realize that you just hit something? Yeah, I realized when it was actually uh, during COVID and actually taking a couple of uh, steps back, we started off actually as a B2C business. So we had our own predictor game on the app store. We had okay. tens of thousands of people playing. Um, we're, we're just starting to monetize. We're on a, a bit of a roll there. Then COVID hit and I, I remember watching an NBA game where, which kind of was kind of the moment for me where sports paused Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I forget who it was, Ru- Rudy Gobert, like sneezed over the uh, at the press conference or something like that. Um, and sports kind of just stopped at that moment. And, and our app just went to zero. No one was playing it. There were no games to play. There was nothing to predict. We had little money in the bank. And at that point, we had no choice but to try and sell a white label and just say, hey, we have an app. Let's try and go and like get someone to have us build something. And mm-hmm. the thing that, that was still happening at that point was reality TV. It was still on and, and, and people were watching it. And we went to NBC Universal and said, hey, let us build a predictor game for the Real Housewives. And they oh, paid right. us. They paid us, I think it was $60,000 at the time. And I just thought, oh, wow, that, that was very transactional. It wasn't, wasn't that transactional, but it was fairly quickly. We had money in the bank. We were building our first white label. And we sold another one and another one and another one. And at that point, we decided, let's go all in on B2B. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was the moment where, you know, we kind of found our sweet spot in our lane. And, you know, it was the best decision we ever made through the, the pressure cooker of a COVID-type scenario where sports kind of came to a grinding halt. We ended up making one of the best decisions we've ever made. What did they? What did they hope to achieve, and what metrics did you find uh, that might have been a surprise for you um, with with uh, with the Real Housewives experience? Uh, I mean, different partners want to achieve different things. First is obviously sure. revenue. Um, right. Second, uh, engagement, people tuning in, people watching, especially for that millennial and Gen Z audience. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it, it actually didn't surprise me. You know, the reality TV world. If you look at Bachelor Nation or these real right. housewives audiences, they're actually just as engaged as you know an NFL an NFL fan. Uh, they're they're playing fantasy in, in, in usually unsophisticated ways. They're in Reddit channels, WhatsApp groups. They should be in the in the the um, in the environment of the content owner, so that the content owner can be capitalizing on that and right. creating great experience. So. You know, it was just really exciting to, to work with a big brand like that, which helped us then work with, since then, the WNBA, um, various other cricket in India. Uh, we're working with Karate Combat now, which is a big martial arts league. So we've worked with you know, various different organizations. The, our product suite is different now than what it was back then. Uh, we've gone more into the Web3 uh, space and, and really pioneering the, the future of, of, or the next generation of fantasy sports are leveraging Web3. But it was really fun working with those first initial white label partners because they were that was the stepping stone to, to who and where we are today. That's that's a great segue into understanding some of the Web three technologies you're you're looking to to achieve or, or to build into this. But I'll just say with the with the combat karate, I saw a couple YouTube shorts and I was really excited about watching that. I saw Bass Rutten on there; he's a big fan of his and GSP. So great ambassadors that you brought into that one. But talk to us a little bit about the technologies that you're using in Web three. What were the decision making um, rationale behind that, and what technologies were you looking to adopt? Yeah, so so let's talk about first and foremost, like what is our platform today? And and yeah, let's do our it. Our flagship platform right now always starts with a playable NFT. So we're minting mm-hmm. playable versions of athletes, a playable digital fighter, a playable digital footballer, a playable digital uh, horse, a playable digital jockey, whatever that sports subject might be. That's what we're able to to sell. Uh, essentially, notice that we're not calling them NFTs to the to the everyday fan because they don't want to know that it's an NFT. They don't care. They yeah. just want to know that they can own it and it's theirs totally. and they can use it in games. So it always mm-hmm. starts with playable digital fighters for karate combat. Then you can use that playable digital fighter in different games. Uh, there's a live fantasy game. So when your fighter, you know, lands a punch or a kick or a takedown in the pit, uh, you earn rewards outside of the pit. Uh, then we also have a card battle game. So when the event isn't actually happening, you and I can go head to head in a Pokemon style card battle game and oh, very cool. engage 
24-7. This is our, our platform, playable NFTs, then with the games that you can use them in, and that's what we what we do today. We're not we're no longer just doing a, a basic predictor or a, or a web two only fantasy game. We're really focusing on this platform, which we're calling the Play Next platform, which enables us to generate serious revenue off the bat with these playable digital fighters or you know whatever the sports subject might be, and generate revenue for our partners, and then create this gaming ecosystem around them. Man, that's a really interesting opportunity that you guys have seemed to kind of double down on and capture. And, and going back to your earlier like reality TV concept or, or engagement, um, you know, these are channels, these are mediums, these are uh, uh, media that have by nature uh, organic communities already built around them by their uh, loyal user bases, right? And and um, it is a significant opportunity to acquire them as potential customers for products that you can use to better engage them with your brand. And that fills the whole ethos of Web3 communities. And so it almost seems like your platform is creating the first on-ramps to take a brand and actually foster a much more utility-based community outside of just being a viewer of the content. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it really is a, a seamless and easy way for, for these fans to, to engage in a way that drives engagement and revenue for the IP owner as well. But what's most important is that, you know, it is really seamless and easy to engage. So you know, Web2 fans can come on, they can buy a playable digital collectible using their credit card. We'll create a wallet for them. Uh, we won't even call it a wallet. It will be a locker or a wardrobe or a garage oh, or whatever whatever is relevant to we're kind of taking right. the Reddit model and, you know, they have the vault, not a wallet. So... Yeah, that whole experience, they don't even know that they're touching the blockchain. If they want to take that to another external wallet and, and take it somewhere else, of course they can do it and Web3 savvy uh, fans will. But, you know, I like to say my, my parents or even my grandparents will be able to buy a playable digital fighter, uh, playing these games, earn rewards, own a piece of the, the actual athletes and, you know, they don't even know that they're touching the blockchain. Yeah, and well, and... Your your um, now that you're B two B, your your acquisition success is a lot different, right? B two C is all based off of you know the consumer rate of adoption of your uh, of your playable assets, so to speak. But now, from a B two B perspective, it is convincing the brands that your platform, the Playnext platform, can actually come in and embolden their their brand experience. How do you find yourself kind of going through the sales cycle, the sales motion when you're engaging with a lot of these brands and aren't really used to these novel new concepts within gaming? Um, do you find yourself having to spend a lot of time educating these executives? Do they get it? Uh, do they not get it? Uh, do they see the vision? Do you have to convince and persuade them to see the vision? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the key here is that we walk into the room and we tell them first and foremost... We're building the next generation of fantasy sports, and this is how we're doing it. By the way, we're we're, we're leveraging Web three, uh, but we're not a Web three company. We're a games company, and we believe that this is the best way to empower fans to play fantasy. It's leveraging Web three and giving them ownership. But first and foremost, we're building the next generation of fantasy sports, and I think that's yeah. important because. Yeah, they're, they're, they're turned off by different things that have happened in the market. Um, and, and that's how we should be pitching it anyway. Uh, you know, for example, uh, we, I think Web3 has a branding problem. Uh, we're leading with the technology. You know, yeah. if we're thinking Web2, when you download an app or go to a website, do they stop you first and foremost and say, hey, by the way, we're using AWS or Google Cloud? No, because we don't care. That would be that would be weird. But but for some reason, Web three is leading with NFTs, Web three blockchain. But the cons everyday consumer doesn't need or want to know that. Um, nor do you know. Nor do the people that are actually buying the assets and playing. We're leading with the benefits, the ownership, and the rewards that the blockchain can provide. And when we lead with that. Uh, with the IP owners, um, it, it helps. It, it's definitely much better than kind of leading with Web3 and blockchain. Yeah, fostering a great experience where the customer doesn't even know the technology that they're engaging with. That's that's really 
that's really smart. Um, you know, they, they and, and so you probably don't have all these different steps that a, a user or a potential player has to interact. Like, do they have to set up wallets? Do they have to set up? Um, no, but like, no. how how does what does the customer onboarding experience look like for Play Next? That's that's that would be really interesting to understand. Yeah, so literally um, anyone can go to right now karateka.io. Um, that's the where the karate combat um, example lives. And you will be able to, first of all, log in by, with Google or Apple, you know, one-click social sign-in. When you do that, we've automatically created a wallet for you at that point. You'll see it in the corner of, your, of the window, and that will be called a locker, won't be called a wallet. Uh, then if you want to go purchase a playable digital fighter of the actual karate combat fighters, you'll go through and, and using MoonPay, you'll pay with your credit card. Uh, it'll take about 30, 60 seconds and you'll go back to your inventory and they'll, there they'll be. They'll, your, your Karataka fighters will be there. Then when the games roll out later in, in July or August, you'll be able to go to the fantasy game before the event with your inventory choose your fighters that will be in your lineup for that evening, gear it up, um, you know, add different things to it like pants and weapons and whatnot that you've also acquired and, and that'll give it a, an, an influence and impact in the game. Then watch the game right there from the, from the, watch the actual fight right there from the game and see yourself go up and down leaderboards based on what's happening in the pit. So that's a very Web2 uh, <coughs> Web friendly experience. The difference and what Web3 provides is that you own that asset and, and you own that fighter. It's yours. Um, who knows how you'll be able to leverage and use that in the future, maybe even through experiences that Game On isn't even powering or, or providing. Uh, maybe the league builds different experiences where you can show that off. So that the difference is the ownership and the rewards that, that Web3 and blockchain provides. Matt, that's that's absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm really glad to hear all this. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about your marketplace? As I understand you guys have that if, if users are trying to interact and engage and trade amongst themselves. Yeah, that's just another layer built into, it will be built into Karataka and any other partner we launch with. You'll be able to buy, trade and sell right there from within, from within the platform. If you want to take it to somewhere like OpenSea or third party, you can do that as well for the Web3 savvy folks. We don't like, we don't want to, take hostage of that asset because that would be against Web3. But um, if you want to just seamlessly trade and buy and sell within the platform, we we provide that as well. It's true ownership, my friend. Well, I like an it. interoperability for the future, right? Like what if Karataka has a metaverse, for example, and they choose to now you could potentially leverage that fighter in a, a social engagement in a metaverse platform or something or... Mm -hmm mobile app or what have you, or even if it, as an NFT, maybe there's some utility in a lux, you know, you've earned. And, and that's really interesting, right? Think of the hours that people invest in sports and the assets that they acquire, right? Like in traditional platforms, maybe it's skins uh, for, yeah. you know, different weapons on my uh, uh, character. Maybe it's different costumes or gear or attire. Um, and eventually, yeah. you know, I get to the point where I've invested 90, 120 hours and I have this valuable asset, but no one else sees the value in that asset uh, until I potentially, you know, have a way to go and exchange that value. Um, and you, it sounds like you've now created that on-ramp to exchange that value. Yeah, and, and who knows, you know, what platforms will be will be made available to show off your, um, you know, your fighters or your collectibles. You know, when we collect the trading cards, they'll put into like slips in books, and they live, you know, somewhere in a in a living room. There's going to be a social media platform or like some type of other platform to allow you to show that off digitally one day. Uh, we even just say, you know, over the next year or two, Game On works with. Um, the NFL to do play, playable digital footballers and um, and an Indian cricket league to do playable digital cricketers. Maybe there's a way to use your karate fighter as a proxy in the NFL game, you know, that we allow you to do. So, like, there's so many different ways that we and other people can build upon and give you utility for your playable collectibles. I love it. I love it. Uh, do, do you guys do any... Um any community building in terms of uh, can these users that have these fighters interact with one another? Do you foster a lot of that? Because uh, that, that's potentially a very strong uh, uh, maybe customer retention strategy for a lot of these brands, right? I've, I've invested the time in these characters and maybe I've hit 
god mode status or, or god mode level, and now I want to go and interact with the other god mode level uh, players or, or uh, uh, customers in, 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 uh, in, in the ecosystem. Um, have you guys seen any success from com- social community engagement with your projects? Yeah, with the partners that we're working with, we try to inject ourselves directly into their community. So Karate Combat has you know, millions of social media followers and, and I think they're nearing about 20,000 in their Discord now. So we're hosting a watch party for this weekend's events uh, in there and promoting Karateka, um, giving away Karatekas and doing some fun things there. Uh, when we work with bigger leagues, uh, it has to come with that community. We don't want to be building a community from scratch. We want to tap into this Web2 fan crazy audiences that want to come and play these games uh, and onboard them to Web3 in a way that they don't even realize they're, they're tapping into it. So, yeah, Karate Combat has about 12 million people watching their events every month, a few million in, in on socials, and we're tapping right into that to grow the Karateka community directly, which means we don't have to spend a lot of money ourselves or be or be like a, a, a b2c company because we're really leveraging the the audience that already exists and then are you guys designing the characters or the assets themselves or do these brands have the ability to leverage their existing digital assets or, or marketing assets that they've already spent you know quite a bit of money and probably years of development on their own uh, it, yeah yeah yeah, I mean, we if first of all, the first thing we ask when we work with these guys is like, give us everything you have and let us see uh, what's available, um, mm-hmm. and we can try and use those assets. We could create, you know, playable collectibles that are you know like traditional player cards um, and use actual photos if we wanted to. Uh, with karate combat specifically, uh, they, how they differentiate first and foremost is behind the pit where they fight, they have a, an Unreal Engine built background that's virtual. So if you're watching it on the stream, it's a very Street Fighter type vibe. It looks and feels like a game, but it's real. It's real fighting. Yeah. So for that reason, uh, the artwork that we've created for the Karateka project is uh, pixel art. So it, it, it taps into that Street Fighter type vibe. Uh, it's very cool. Oh, that's cool. It looks, yeah, it looks and feels like the fighters, but it's we 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 hired a pixel artist to create those assets. So um, yeah. it's it, it's really cool. We we it's turned out really nicely. Uh, and then what we do to dive into a little bit more of like the the art the, the artist creation, how we came up with it. So we have a minting engine uh, that that we the artist actually creates all of the different um, types of of assets for the NFT. So there's the face, which is different for every fighter, but then the stance is the same. Uh, There might be like 10 different types of um, tops with different colors. There might be five different backgrounds. There might be different weapons that they're holding. And then we run it into the programmatic minting engine and it will just spit out, you know, 100, 200, 300 different uh, unique NFTs for that fighter. Um, so it's really in, because if we created 10,000, say NFTs one by one, or, you know, it would take a very long time. The creating the assets is seamless with the minting engine. We just have the artist design each individual, um, different asset. It'll be interesting one time, maybe on a follow up, we'll do a, an actual demo of the platform and have our product team join. It's really cool. Oh, that would be awesome. And maybe we can actually interact and maybe if we get to the point where the fighters are deployed, we can actually see them accrue some stats during a, uh, exactly. or, or see how they're impacted by live play. Because I think that would be really interesting, right? I, I'm just yeah, thinking sure. fancy baseball, you know, let's say I have a shortstop on my team and I have his playable NFT, so to speak. And, you know, let's say he went, you know, two for five at bat, home run, blah, blah, blah. Um maybe his real-time stats also bring value to powering up my NFT. That's cool, right? And now you're starting to link uh, real-world application direct to the gaming asset, which is a current gap. There's no one, at least not not that I know of. Maybe you might be aware of, maybe not, but there's no one doing that today. Hmm. Yeah, we, we, we're, the, we're the kind of first ones to be doing this. The, uh, another way we like to kind of create an analogy is that uh, we're kind of somewhat similar to a So Rare or a Rainmakers, but we're B2B driven. So, you know, we don't have a B2C platform. We're going and creating the Karate Combat Fantasy game, uh, leveraging Web3. Next up, you know, I can't speak to any yet, but 
after Karate Combat will be a major league uh, that we're at very end discussions with. Uh, that's what we're going after next. You know, we, we think Karate Combat just through the Karateka sales is going to do about a million in sales. But think of Karate Combat as our crypto kitties. And the major league is going to be top shot, our top shot. So we're looking for our top yeah. shot moment right now. Uh, and we're excited to kind of hopefully get there by the end of the year. So what's what what what's what's like surprised you? You know, you you start you embarked on this playable NFT road. You you shifted from a B two B or from a B two C to a B two B experience. Were, were there any surprises as you were in your guys's growth um, that you that caught you off by surprise? You were not expecting. Maybe it's consumer behavior. Maybe it's brand behavior. Maybe it's um, what you thought could be done and couldn't be done with a certain Web3 capabilities. I think that's an interesting uh, topic that not a lot of people uh, comment on. Yeah, I, th I think so. This really stems from me coming from the sports business world and working in that world. And one thing that's kind of has annoyed me uh, in that space and, and how they've treated Web3 is that they're kind of, they're, they're selling, the, these teams and leagues are selling NFTs as a whole sponsorship category and just blocking it off. So they're going like, for example, and they, they see it as a cash grab. So they, some a lot of these big leagues would do 10, 20, $100 million deals with, a, you know, an FTX or, or some other you know, company. And they would say no one else can do NFTs, which doesn't make sense to me. You can't block off a whole technology and say no one else can do it because mm -hmm. NFTs and blockchain for a team or a league might be the right technology for ticketing. For merchandise, for games, for collectibles, for moments. They're all different products and one partner isn't going to be the right technology partner for all of them. So it's, a, right. it's annoyed me over the last couple of years to see teams and leagues just essentially taking cash and it's cash grab moments for them, blocking off an, an entire um, category for one technology solution or one partner. That doesn't make sense to me, but we're starting to see a shift, which which I'm glad to see. We're starting to see a product-first mindset for each of those different categories. And we're the games people, but we're not the ticketing people, right? So, you know, I wouldn't want someone to give us exclusive rights to NFTs because you might want to – NFTs might be the right thing for tickets as well. So that's kind of been frustrating over the last couple of years and surprised me a little bit. But I'm definitely starting to see a shift now and, and starting to see the, the market kind of correct itself a little bit, I think. We, um, we're, that's great. Thank you for, for sharing that, Matt. We are mindful that our audience is, you know, 1,400 CEOs, senior executives across industries. Um, in addition to anyone who's watching us across YouTube, Spotify, or, or any of those platforms. Um, what learnings have you gained or can take away that you believe would be imperative for a another industry or another company in a various industry to sort of bring on into some of their strategies if they're looking to to sort of move into this space? It's, it's something we've already touched on already, but really viewing um, Web3 and NFTs and blockchain really as, as, a, as a solution that doesn't need to be, you know, thrown in the face of consumers because it's just too hard for them to understand. So if we focus on the benefits and the rewards and the, the ownership mm -hmm. that fans can experience, be it in games, be it uh, in whatever other vertical or category, focus on the benefits that you're going to give the consumer and, and lead with that. Um, you know, and the, the the acronym NFT is probably the worst thing that's happened to NFTs. You know, everyone's yeah, everyone's thrown off by that. it now. Like, there's knee jerk reaction to it. They won't want to talk to you. Like, they won't even want to learn about your business if you start with that. Um, especially now when it's like when it's uh, you know the down period. But there's no denying that the technology itself can solve so many different problems across sports, across business, across many other verticals. So I would encourage everyone who, who's you know, either thinking about diving into it, like think of the benefits first, think of what we want to achieve first and foremost, be it, you know, giving, giving fans ownership of something, giving them uh, the option to vote or be, or have an influence in something. Uh, you know, I don't know what the different businesses that everyone's running, but really hone in and focus on the benefits and problems that can be solved rather than leading with the, the, the acronyms and the the buzzwords first and foremost. 
I, I love that. You know, let, let's take ticket NFTs, for example. You know, everyone, you know, we just released this as an NFT and it's a ticket. Man, customers don't care. It's a ticket. They just want to use it to go and access the event, right? But now, from a marketing perspective, even though it's being powered by an NFT, now that ticket isn't used as a one-off instance. It's a breathable living asset because it's on-chain, and it can be repurposed or utilized to unlock following or or future utility because now that is that asset is um you know living immutably on chain it's not changing it's not touching you know if you transfer it you know that's that's an ability that you would highlight for an nft ticket that you can't do with a normal ticket and so it's now you have a ticket and maybe you know karatika you buy these tickets and um now these tickets you know you have this ticket in your locker and uh you know five months down the road if you still have this ticket in your locker uh thank you you now have access to this limited drop of you know exclusive content or exclusive you know that marketing that that uh that public narrative needs to change and i love that you said that because a lot of brands and the way they're thinking about the technology they're they're pigeonholing themselves. They're they're doing themselves a disservice because they're only using it and seeing it with one real uh, uh, use case. They're not seeing the forest for the trees, uh, uh, so to speak. Um, where, 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 do you have any examples? Maybe if, if you can speak, maybe maybe uh, you know confidentially or or, or what. But uh, you know um, where you've seen some brands start to experiment with these NFTs with multiple uses of utility, not just what they inv- uh, initially wanted to go to market with, but now they're experimenting it with it to be you know, not only a ticket, but a playable asset, not only a playable asset, but maybe uh, a, a, tar- a, tar- a tool of social engagement. Um, ha- have you seen anything novel uh, occurring there within your clients? I, I, this isn't one of our clients, but and not even an area that we're we're you know working in. But I think that one of the lowest hanging pieces of fruit for for Web three will be loyalty and rewards, uh, and uh, you know Starbucks is one that that's taken a deep dive into it and doing it just in a simple and smart way. They're leveling up their t- their standard loyalty and reward system and and providing more um, leverage and utility for their their fans who drink coffee every day just by leveraging the power of Web3. So I think that's one simple um, use case, and I think we're going to see more and more brands. I think I heard about um, like Starburst doing something similar uh, in loyalty and rewards, uh, and I think that's a no-brainer. Like every brand, if they're thinking of where do I start with with NFTs? Make it loyalty and rewards. If you're if you're a consumer product, it's a no brainer. Uh, that's probably the the most obvious use case that I think we're going to see a lot of over the next you know twelve twenty four months. In, in in Starbucks, you know, you you hit it on the you hit the nail on the head there. They're just a co- coffee company, but now within the industry. Uh, They've arguably got the strongest loyalty rewards program across any industry vertical, you know, whether it's CBG, retail, what have you. Starbucks's loyalty program is considered the gold standard of what a well defined strategic program looks like. And they didn't even lead with NFTs, right? They led with this is a beta rollout of our next level loyalty program. Uh, and and uh, I've had the opportunity to participate in the beta, the Odyssey program, and it's really intuitive. You know, they because of NFTs, they've been able to hey now uh, customers or or uh, fans, you can go in and uh, uh, fulfill some challenges, go do some quizzes with uh, coffee, uh, you know, facts, and as you earn those uh, or you complete those or earn those you might be distributed in an NFT. And then down the road, that NFT, because you went and fulfilled some of these challenges, it's a gamification of the loyalty program. And I don't think yeah. most brands have even thought of that. And they have a very, at least it seems on the surface, holistic view to the space of where the power of the technology can take them. Um, that's that's even more amplified in the sporting uh, industry, right? When you think about 
how integral sports are to everyone's life, everyday lives. You, there's, there's allegiances, there's, you know, generational, uh, you know, fandom, there's, you know, countrywide fandom, right. And, and a lot of people identify very much in their day-to-day lives by what's their favorite sports team. You know, I think when you and I met, one of the first thing that we, we talked about in New York was, you know, what, what are your favorite teams? You know, you being in Miami, Miami heat me being um, Milwaukee, yeah, Milwaukee gotta, Bucks, right? And, and we won't yeah, talk about that give, because that's a sore subject gotta give right the now. Heat, gotta give the Heat a shout-out at the moment. Hopefully by the time this goes live, they're, they're in the middle of a, uh, a finals championship run. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, another good example that you just made me think of is, is karate combat that we've spoken about already a few times, stepping away from what we're doing for them them as a league themselves um, have just launched the token uh, this week. Uh, they're, not, it's not a, they're not selling the token. They're not, they're not profiting from it. They're using it as a tool to give their fans ownership in the league. Uh, this is quite radical. You know, no, no other major league or traditional league wants to do this or you know, they're, they're scared to do this. But Karate Combat have said, you know what, we're going give to the, give, the uh, give the league away to our fans via this token. How do you earn it? You could you could have signed up for the airdrop, uh, the initial airdrop, uh, but then what you do is you actually go into their app uh, called Up Only Gaming. You pick who will win uh, in the fights uh, when the fights are on, and you if you get it right, you win more tokens. Uh, that's the first mm-hmm. use case. That's if you engage with their product, you can't lose any tokens. You're not betting. You're not you're not betting anything. That's why it's called Up Only Gaming. But you continue to accrue these tokens that actually represent true ownership in the league uh they're the first league to do it and it's just really scratching the surface like they'll reward fans in other ways and that ownership will be able to be actioned in different ways but they're really just you know scratching the surface with this original token launch and they just they just raised 18 million dollars led by bitcraft um so they're doing just a lot of a lot of great stuff and i encourage everyone to go and check them out karate.com uh, and and go and see what they're doing. That's a really great use case, I think, in the sports world. They're going all in, but they're doing it in a very simple way that kind of directly gives back that's to the fans. Awesome. That's really incredible. I'm going to definitely take a look at this because I think that's an exciting test case yeah. for uh, for the the distribution of yeah. ownership. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of I'm sure a lot of other ex- league executives are, are yeah. keeping a, keeping an eye on this. No, that's that's awesome. I mean, just think about that, like. You know, Miami Heat, for example, we want to carve off 3% ownership to our most loyal fans. And to do that, you have to purchase these NFTs and these NFTs can then, you know, eventually as you accrue more of these more tokens, uh, you are rewarded, right? Uh, for uh, your, your basically loyalty to the team. Um, and that loyalty then can be, uh, you know, maybe you get to meet your favorite player. Maybe you get to, uh, you know, sit in, sit on floor, uh, courtside seats, right? Something of that nature. Maybe I own the Jimmy Butler playable uh, uh, NFT and, and and Jimmy Buckets gets 50 points in a game. And all of the Jimmy Buckets uh, 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 playable NFT owners now get rewarded with, you know, uh, with a par- partner for Miami Heat, you know, maybe a 25% discount on merch. Something of that. There, yeah. there are so many ways that that brands, especially sporting brands, can capitalize on this. But to your earlier point, they're only viewing it as you know oh, the the fulfillment of one specific use case. And uh, yeah, and I think that is yeah. just a testament to how early we are in this space, right? The, most people don't even know. You you talk to any normal fan and you ask them what an NFT is, and they're going to be like, "We don't care." You know, they're just mm. pictures, right? Yeah. But then you talk about yeah. like, hey, this is, you know, this is my digital asset of my ownership of this team, or this is my my asset in my locker, and this is all of the benefits I get with it. And then all of a sudden, now you kind of create that hype, that FOMO to go and acquire more of these, you know, amongst whether your yeah. leagues or your teams or what have you. And guys like us who who grew up sports fans, the dream like the the dream that's probably never attainable is to own a team or a league, right? Yeah. And so it's also yeah. no, that totally. ego that that we all wish we could do. Now with karate, you can. Another good example is um, you know a, a company called Silks. Uh, it's run by a guy called Dan. He's here in he's here in Florida. Um, we know, we know Silks very well. He, he's Dan's great. Um, one of the smartest smartest 
product minds in our space, but also one of the good guys as well. Very, very nice, uh, very nice guy who's been around the block a few times. And Silks is awesome, right? Like every time a horse, um, a racehorse is born or becomes a racehorse, there's a digital twin that you can buy. Uh, and every time that horse wins in real life, you get rewarded. Ultimately, they want to get to a point where it's one for one where the actual owners in the real world are earning the same amount as the owner of that digital twin in, in the metaverse, so to speak, or just the digital world. Like that's pretty awesome. You know, I come from a, a country in Australia where, you know, I've seen people bet on sports, you know, every day you go to a bar and there's people betting on horses. There's no way in, in, in their entire, you know, dreams, lives that they would ever think they could own a horse. Now with silks, they can uh, so like that's another great example and, and, and Dan and the team there are now doing deals with like the racing organizations uh, because they want to be a part of it and they truly are bringing this digital physical world together where we can all own racehorses for a fraction of the cost. It's just, it's really exciting. Yeah, and and the probably one of the biggest things that Silks has achieved that uh, uh, most of these Web3 NFT projects haven't is they've acquired an older customer base. Um, you could say maybe some of that is, you know, equatable to the actual industry, you know, horse racing and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know how appealing that is to Gen Z or, or younger millennials, but you know, the average owner of those silks horses are older millennials. They're older, you know, 40 plus years old, 35 plus years old. Whereas most of these major leagues, you know, top shots, what have you, um, they're solely focused on that Gen Z younger millennial demographic. And so it shows that, Hey, it's a great use case to show that you can enjoy this technology and you can deploy these assets for any age group if you do it properly. And that's that's the yeah. big thing. When you in, engage with silks, you have no idea that these are NFTs. It is, hey, I want to you know bet on this ho- uh, horse race. I want to own this baby uh, baby horse that was just born. I want to I want to engage with other horse owners and and uh, uh, Naira and all of these racing uh, leagues have seen the power of that, and now they've you know bolted on silks as a form of social engagement for their leagues, and that's really powerful. Um, uh, that that is um, so. When when you think about um, where the future is going, at least in the next you know couple of years, uh, especially with these playable NFTs or these sports leagues, what are some trends that you're starting to notice? What are some things that you're that that the leagues are starting to take notice that might not be pretty uh, apparent to those of us that are just laymen? I think I think I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but to double click on that is that I think we're seeing teams move teams and leagues move away from the cash grab moment and now into like a product first moment. You know what will enhance engagement uh, for our fans? What will inherently add more value to our fans? How can we do deals with multiple you know Web three enabled? technology companies to solve this, this, and this. Uh, and we're seeing it right at the the top, the top leagues now, who, you know, a year or two ago, we would have never been able to compete with tens of millions of dollars of licenses that were being thrown at them. To now it's like, hey, let's have a conversation about product first and foremost. So it's really exciting and, and um, comforting now to be having those conversations. Do you think it's a push or a pull demand, Matt? Do you think that the generational um, trend moving towards digitized experiences are really forcing the companies to do it? Or are they looking at this as potentially this is the time to test now regardless and we're anticipating the demand coming on later later in the uh, in the coming years. Yeah, I think it's driven by the existential problem that that the major leagues are experiencing is that millennials and Gen Z aren't watching. I think my, my, my one of my close mentors and and friends and he was the former chairman of Game On, a guy called Jay Moses, he was he was one of the original Grand Theft Auto creators and then oh, yeah, um, that's right. and then He's he he he's still on the board of Take Two today, so yep. he always, he always reminds me that his teenage children literally don't know how to turn on NBC, ABC, or any any free to air television. They don't know. Like that's kind of wild to to think about. Like wow. they don't know how to get the game on the TV because that's not how they watch it. They'll watch on you know. 
TikTok or you know they watch the shorts. That they don't want they don't want or care for a full game. And at the NBA, the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, they're all shit scared of that. Like it's a big wow. big problem. Uh, so I think that's driving uh, more of a pull that we're starting to see. Uh, right. Over the next year or so, I think we're going to see more and more of that because they have to. They have no choice, and and this is a way to to, to engage and provide ownership and allow fans to uh, influence, own, and play the content. So that's what's I think driving the the. Do you think being a part of the the sports experience <clears throat> in a much deeper level also brings a, a an emotional connection with unique fighters or sports players or figures as well? Um, you know, you could you can make an argument that you're just observing, you'll buy a jersey, but perhaps in in the experience that you're offering now, you almost feel as though you you're you're a part of the the individual's journey as well. So, do you think there's a, an emotional tie that that just pulls? In fans even even deeper yeah I think so I think it provides almost like an, an opportunity of drawing a rookie card and if you have that rookie card and that player sure, yeah. all, you're like you know you're mm-hmm. part of that journey and yeah there might be monetary value in that as well but really you you pulled you know when he was someone who's fighting in karate combat for example um, if the league goes on to become you know, 10 times the size it is in a couple of years or that fighter goes and becomes a UFC champion or whatever path that might be, you know, you're, you're more connected to that than, than if you didn't experience the game. That's incredible. Man, and, and, and think about that for a second. You know, as a fan, the ultimate sporting experience I could ever achieve is the moment I ever interact with my favorite player. Or, you know, right. attend, you know, attend an actual, you know, maybe Super Bowl or, you know, World Series or what have you, you know, UFC championship, pay-per-view event or, or what have you, right? And now, even these players individually, let's let's get away from the brands, but these players individually also have really unique opportunities to double down on their fan loyalty, right? And I don't think we've really seen any good use cases of players or athletes um, leveraging, you know, some of these Web3, you know, NFTs or what have you to better engage with their fans. A lot of the ones that have been were quickly, uh, you know, called out publicly as cash grabs. You know, certain players dropped NFTs. These NFTs didn't do anything. We saw this with music and musicians. They dropped these uh, music NFTs and there was no real world utility. It was just go and buy this. And at that time, you know, it was maybe you can sell this on the secondary market on a, a open sea and it might appreciate. But really, ultimately, and this is where like the memes come is, is you're buying just a picture, right? But really, and, and, and to your to your earlier points, these could be mechanisms leveraged to better embolden, you know, the fan experience and the fan engagement, and and, and could drive, you know, maybe uh, uh, like let's say fringe at, uh, star players into into the spotlight because of the success yeah. of you know there there are there are you know what what in sports they're called like the people's champions right the the, the athletes that the general public loves they might not be the top uh, athletes in in the industry but the overall general public just loves them right and uh, fans would rally if they could uh, better engage you know for me for example uh, if I owned a Giannis playable NFT and, uh, you know, I became a Giannis fan, uh, top contributor or something of that nature right now, the only way we can do that is on social media. Right. And, and the hope is maybe one day Giannis follows me on Instagram or maybe one day Giannis likes my comment, but maybe I've been following Giannis since he's been drafted, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they see that, Oh, I've owned this NFT for so long and, you know, it's been powered up and eventually I get the point where, hey, you're a loyal Giannis supporter. Here's an opportunity to meet and greet. That would, that that opportunity could be done today. No one is just really strategized around that. It's not a technology gap. It's more of a strategy gap. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. Not, not easy to do. You know, it's not easy to get it right. And, and especially if you're not putting the time and, and effort and strategy into doing it. Even like, uh, well, you know, the, a clear example is Top Shot, which, you know, p- absolute pioneer. Like they, they had a big impact on the space, but they've gone from about 300, monthly, 300 million monthly volume to 3 million monthly volume in a space of two years 
because there's nothing you can really do with them except collect them. Mm. Um, similarly, yeah, we've seen the autograph collection of of IP, and, and these are some of the best athletes you know in the world: Tom Brady, Tony Hawk, Naomi Osaka. There's like Gronk. There's like fifty of them. And this, but there's just they haven't really created the right uh, utility and benefits and experience. And I know they're trying to work it out, and I think they will. Uh, but as it stands right now, like they're trying to work through that problem. Like, how do we provide? Even though we have world class IP, like the best players they could ever get across different sports, albeit, but like they're trying to solve that problem now as well. Like, how do we provide these fans the right you know, utility and value? And it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to solve. It's hard. <coughs> Yeah, I mean, see, going back to Giannis, I think, I don't know if anyone has done this, but could you imagine getting like a three, four day before a game behind the scenes of him training, just getting ready for the game and his mental, you know, state and the things that he does. And then you just get it delivered, you know, the day before the game or morning of. And then that just, uh, that's so much, so much more of an investment that you have in Giannis's performance. And that's, that's a huge emotional attachment to, to that player and to the experience. Matt, we're, we're having a fabulous conversation, and I think you've given a lot of insights into the, the, the innovative experience of gaming. Um, if anyone who is interested in finding out more about Game On and getting involved in, in some of the projects that you have, what's, uh, what's the best way to reach out to you guys and, and to get involved? I would say, first of all, um, you know, I always love having conversations like this. Um, it doesn't always have to be Thank recorded. Uh, so yeah. if anyone ever wants to have a chat and just talk about games, Web3, sports, uh, you can always reach out to me, matt at gameon.app, A-P-P. Uh, but then also I'd love for you to all to go check out uh, Karateka, which is the karate combat playable digital fighters and games that will be launched soon karateka.io um, go check it out give me give us feedback tell us how it looks and feels and, and the experience will be it's, it's live now you can go and buy your karatekas but then as the games roll out we'd love everyone's feedback on that and then yeah we, we, uh, we've got to do this again soon because we have a lot of stuff in the pipeline and more updates to share at a future date Oh, that's awesome. definitely excited yeah that. for sure well we'll get you onto our, our community fireside and uh i mean well this is definitely we we've been it seems like in the past couple of weeks we've been having a lot of gaming uh studios and gaming yeah. publishers so yeah. we might have an opportunity here to do a full panel um and we can talk yeah. about the industry as a whole from different perspectives and so we'd love to have you on that episode as well let's do it Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you so much for your time, Matt. And, and thank you again, Abe, for joining us. And, and uh, thank you for again sure. to all of our YWills listeners and to those that are not uh, YWills listeners. We appreciate your time today. Take care. YWills was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.